That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the minute. We're re-watching the movie. We have just gotten our first heaping helping of Batman, Batcave, Alfred goodness, and we were left, along with the listeners, in total suspense of who this Russian is that has caught Bruce's attention. It's kind of an honor to have your, like, mugshot on the Bat computer screen, now that I think about it. Like, that would probably be a select yeah. group. That's got to be a wiki entry. <laughs> every every uh, every villain who has had their, their face on the Bat computer. Yeah, luckily, I believe this screen full is free from typos or weird spelling mistakes so we've already cleared that massive hurdle but now we are ready to dive into russians dirty bombs new rules fevers are you ready uh i'm ready new rules we're criminals Alfred. we've always been criminals nothing's changed oh yes it has sir everything's changed I guess we left almost mid-sentence, I think, as as Bruce was um, – I guess he is like literally – what you said before about exposition is kind of a dirty word. I feel like this is kind of – this makes sense because he is kind of giving Alfred an update on his investigation. Yeah. So it doesn't strike well, me as be- to – for our benefit. Exactly. Well, and it's not a situ- – like you said, Alfred is kind of in the dark here. So it's not like one of those scenes where both of them know what's going on and they're like finishing each other's sentences or, or something like to educate the viewer – and he's holding back too, also. So he's so Alfred yeah. is like trying to get stuff out of him. And he's like, "Oh no!" As a, and then like I love how he's just talking about kind of pressuring, like putting pressure on lower level guys, and they're not giving him what he wants. They're like halfway into the conversation before he's like, "Oh yeah, no, we're trying to get a dirty bomb." Yeah. The fact that Alfred is not more in on this is, I guess, we don't know just how involved in the investigative sure. aspect of Batman's. You know, maybe he's just a tools guy and like a like a repairman. Yeah. But I very much get the impression that Batman is playing things closer to the chest than um, historically he has with Alfred. Yeah, that is. I think the the crucial detail he gives because all of this is, I guess, stuff that we know, but we don't. To what you were saying, we know it because we have gotten a glimpse of him other than Bruce, a glimpse that nobody has had, which is he is a contractor. You know, he he takes jobs all over the world, but the detail that Bruce gives us here is that he is based out of the port of Gotham. So while this guy's military, you know, enforcer, whatever business takes him all around the globe, he is living in Bruce's backyard and has popped on his radar, I guess because of it, the, the specifics of it we're still, we're still waiting on, but he has emerged as a figure to be investigated. To what we kind of said last episode about how it not only being what's said here, but how it's said. When Bruce is giving the details, Jeremy Irons, I feel like, plays Alfred as... <laughs> well, I mean, when he throws the newspaper down in front of him, I guess he reveals that there's a reason he is behaving like the parent who is asking their kid when they already know the truth. Yeah. You know, it's the very, like, even the way he says his reaction to they're trying to bring a dirty bomb into the city is, oh, high stakes round. Yeah. Oh, I bet you thought that when you said that, you know, you figured that would be the end of this. Well, guess what? It isn't. Yeah. 
where he says, so the white Portuguese is a Russian, and Bruce just says, that's the theory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, we're going to have it out here, and then when they finally do have their discussion, and I guess it kind of, at the same time, sheds a lot of light on Alfred's character first, that he drops down the newspaper with the headline, you know, with the bat brand, another appearance from our beloved <laughs> Gotham police officers, uh, <laughs> who I definitely noticed this time <laughs> in that photo. And Alfred, it isn't a question. He says new rules. Yeah. I like the more I think about that, the more that that tells us about why and how Alfred became his partner in this. I guess none of it is particularly earth shattering, but I like the implication because like you said, you know, in a different version of this scene, it could go very differently. Alfred is basically saying, I did not agree to do this if we were going to be torment, you know, physically torturing criminals. Yeah. And what is going on? You need to explain yourself or who knows how involved I'm going to (laughs) stay. And when I talk, when I talk about how this scene tells you everything you need to know about Batman, it's probably anytime I've seen anybody sort of get this version of Batman wrong and I understand sort of where where he's coming from or why he's the way that he is or to drop the like Batman has one rule it's it's all right here and no it's not they don't spoon feed it to you but it is it is all here like Alfred literally says new rules so that implies that new rules means there were old rules sure right so so Batman has a one rule and apparently he's not following it anymore. Now he has a new rule. Yeah. And so that, that accomplishes both of those things kind of in, in one sentence. So when people, you know, if you're going to say, you know, Batman has one rule, it's like, well, yeah, he, he's supposed to and he doesn't anymore. And Alfred's calling him out on exactly. it. Exactly. Alfred's the first person to point it out. And then Batman or Bruce or, you know, whoever. Couldn't seem more like a busted kid or student. And that's kind of what I was saying before about how. He's so buttoned up in this scene Mm -hmm. that the way that he says, you know, nothing's changed. We've always been criminals. Yeah. It's it's said in a way that it isn't, again, it isn't spoon fed, but I don't believe him. Well, I do believe that he tells himself that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That in the, that's the whole denial thing, right? Is the line has been pushed little bit by little bit by little bit, and this thing I'm going to say sounds like it makes enough sense. Yeah. Well, I've said it enough times to myself that it feels true. You know, I've always been chased by the cops. I've always operated outside the law. If I'm operating outside the law, then how is it any different for me to operate outside the law in, in this way as well? Exactly. Yeah. The rules are what keep Batman from sliding down the slope. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of the first... Probably the first time in this movie that the question is explicitly raised about what is the legality and the ethics of what he's doing here. Because I remember the first time that I heard him say, we've always been criminals. That really did stick in my head mm-hmm. because it's kind of implied the legality of it, I guess, is is rarely a factor in these stories, right? When you bring in Gordon as a main character to kind of implicitly condone what's happening, then we as the audience get to be like, well, that's what the police would do. You know, like that's what that's what the people charged with making the laws and enforcing them wish they could do. So yeah. in that way, he's a he's a wish fulfillment of what law and order wishes it could be. No, you're introduced to him torturing him and Bruce is saying this was always against the law what we were doing. So in in some sense, this has always been wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this has always been ethically or morally wrong. And I think 
maybe it was a clue after the fact I realized that if you're watching this movie, if seeing Batman, and we kind of talked about that with your dad, right? Torturing a guy, if that doesn't make you go, oh, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe this is actually, he's not so much a good guy in this version of the story. And then right away you have Alfred saying, no, no, you used to be. Yeah. Well, in one of my very favorite interviews with Zack Snyder, it was about Watchmen, where somebody asked him about his depiction of violence in Watchmen and how it was right. just so, not just like violent and visceral, but like over the top, almost cartoonishly over the top in some, some places. Yeah, I guess for people who don't know, like we're talking like bones breaking through skin in slow motion. Yeah. Really cartoonish, yeah. And so he gets a, in the same way that we talked about last episode with people thinking that he was just being gratuitous and awkward with like the sex scene when he was actually sort of being satirical, the people like to assume that he's, he's just being gratuitous because he's like, I think this is cool. Yeah. Gruesome action. Like, yeah, where he's like, just thinks it's super cool. There's blood and bones. And what he said was that, no, that's, I wish I could remember the exact, the exact question. I think what I'll have to do is I'll find the interview and you can just stick the clip in there or something. Do you think people are going to be surprised about the, how intense a lot of the, uh, these violence Yeah, I think it's because, you know, I have a tendency to show the violence, you know. Mm. It's, uh, you, could, you could have the exact same amount of violence in the movie and just not show a close-up of a guy's face or... You know, because partly philosophically, I want to... When, when violence happens in a superhero movie, you see no result. And so there's no consequence to the violence. And so I feel like in some ways that's more irresponsible than like PG-13 violence where you know tons of guys are getting killed, but just because you're not seeing them, it's okay, which I find like uh, offensive a little bit. It's like it makes the violence okay for kids, you know, where... I'm trying to say, like, no, this is an adult movie. The violence is not for kids. No, it's, it's hardcore. definitely not being toned down. And uh, you need to see that our superheroes, people get killed, and, like, there's, there's consequence, you know? Like, you get in a fight with these guys in an alley, you're going to get, like, hurt bad or killed. You know, you're not going to be laying there going, oh, I'm hurt, you know, at the end. You're going to, you know, you're gonna, your arm, your bone's going to be sticking out of your arm. <laughs> Like any time you see in any movie someone do that, it's and it's often even played as like a comedic, like a like a like a bonk, and then it's like, oh cool, now it's like the magic they're asleep and we didn't have to kill them. And Snyder's like, No, that you can't do that. There is there yeah, there is no non fatal way to do these things. Movies invented a soft violence in order to insulate people from the reality of what it means for someone to go out and, and do this kind of stuff. Uh, and that doesn't mean that, like, Batman needs to be the Punisher, but... Oh, he's still not, right, in this context. Right, exactly. Uh, so anyway, I, that's, that's, I, I'm going on a rabbit trail, but the whole point he said was that he, he did that intentionally because it's important um, that the violence isn't sterilized, that people understand exactly what is happening. He thinks that's a disservice to audiences to pretend that there's no consequences to violence in that way, and that um, that's very core to kind of this version of Batman. I mean, it takes you back to the... the um, I got another audio clip for you to stick in here. I'm making your job easy. Um, from a Snyder con, that's the whole, you know, the wake the F up comment. Yeah. You're living in a dream world. Yeah. Like he, like that's exactly what that's about. And people yep. think that he's like, oh no, I'll wake up. That's, uh, the world is, is brutal and it's hardcore and it's badass. And it's like, no, he's saying what you think that you can engage in violence like this and play it off as a, as a joke because it's, it's funny. He's like, yeah, sure. That's like a type yeah. of movie that exists. But like Batman, if Batman was real, 
would be killing people. Not because he's a murderer. When Captain America throws his 100-pound shield yeah. at a man's head, yeah. he just puts him to sleep, add a crunch noise, and it becomes a horror movie. And once again, as he, as he says, that's fine if that's what you want to do. Like You can tell those stories, but that's not – you You are lying to yourself if you think that a real-life Batman wouldn't wouldn't be killing people. That's not saying that Batman should kill people. That's not saying that murder is or, or, or death is like, okay. It's just saying like if you're going to go toe-to-toe with criminals in the streets and they're shooting at you or they're trying to stab you or even if they're just engaging in a fist fight, you don't have that special like, oh, I'm just going to pinch their shoulder and they're going to pass out. Being non-lethal is essentially impossible unless you just want to die. Well, yeah, and I think even more than – because some people might really bristle at that, I think that through Alfred here – it's being posed as a question, right? Like, what happens when this guy starts sliding? Yeah. Do we just come up with new rules and then pretend that, oh, it's that there were rules was the important thing? Yeah. It wasn't where we set them before. I think the way this is set up, the police react to the beating. It isn't the beating that has them g- gasping or clutching their pearls. as they say he branded him. Yeah. This is intentional something. Well, it's it's a new – like, it's one thing to break fingers or break bones even to, to bruise people to put people in the hospital. I'm sure he's been doing that for the past 20 years. But there's a level of very specific cruelty, malevolence, or... Yes, sadistic. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a very sadistic thing about branding somebody. And and we'll find out that there's kind of more to the nature of the brand in a little bit, right? But we don't know that yet, but it's very much a, like, there's a difference between beating someone in a fight, whereas you strap them down and sear their flesh with your symbol. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... That's an- and they're horrified by what he did. And then in his life, as he comes down to the Batcave and Alfred is horrified in his own way about why he's doing it. What is the story here? And you said the magic word. Alfred has identified that what Bruce has become and what Bruce is doing has now crossed the line into becoming cruel. It's a loaded word. I like that word a lot. I like it. In this context, I like it in general because it conveys a very specific – it implies morality. Mm -hmm. And this is where we begin our monologue, which I'm sure our listeners will be delighted to hear finally. It's probably been so long. That's how it starts. The fever. The rage. But I think it gets cut off. (laughs) But I think this is the first time that the minute-by-minute format has really kind of screwed up a – yeah, moment, right? For us, yeah, because we uh <laughs> definitely, but in this case, it's it's ironic, and I know we've talked about this before, that Alfred's line here is literally what the movie is about. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, once again, for anyone that that I've never had a discussion with someone about this movie where where there's like a frustration over them taking seemingly the wrong things away from it or not knowing what to take away from it where I don't have to point back to this scene and say it's all there. Everything you need to know about this movie is in this two-minute stretch. Everything you need to know about Batman, about his history, about his philosophy, about like his his mindset, and about like the themes of his arc is all laid out here, almost so explicitly. Uh, I haven't I haven't said the is it too obvious or not obvious enough? Uh, yeah, or what's I, is it not vague? Is it too subtle? Yeah, is it too subtle or is it too obvious? Where like I feel like this is 
hammering me over the head with like, this is what this movie is about. This is what this movie is about. And then yet you still have people coming out that are, that are say, oh, I don't know. I don't know what the movie is even about or, yeah. um, or how, why is Batman this way? Or why does he do that? And it's like, it's all, it's, it's all in this, in this scene. So you've got to assume it was what too subtle for them to get it. Cause otherwise they just yeah. say that you can't say, I don't know what it's about. You have to say, if you, if you heard this, and you don't buy it, then I would I would say you would think it's too too heavy handed. But yeah, it's so we're kind of forced <laughs> to say. I'm always struck by the David Lynch quote where he was giving the interview. It was brought up in the in the context of Christopher Nolan and the top spinning at the end of Inception. I think it was shared around a lot, but it was David Lynch saying, "You make a film and release it, and then people want you to talk about it. The film is the talking." Yeah, I don't think. I don't, it kind of implies where the movie then ends up with a conclusion. And I think it does and doesn't in certain respects. But in this scene, it's possible to, to read Alfred saying everything has changed. And he's talking about some kind of reality about the DC universe. Whereas now I read it very clearly as him saying like, no, everything about you has changed. And now I'm going to show why. Yeah. And he, heck of a shortcut he had queued up. <laughs> God's hurl thunderbolts. Innocents die because we talked about that, him, you know, being completely powerless and just a silent observer to his parents being killed. Yeah. And then watching that same thing happen to his city and yeah. his company that- and Jack. Jack O'Dwyer. Yeah. That having Alfred saying, I get what is happening to you and this is this is how it happens, right? Well, you've got to wonder if he's- he has the perspective on this, right? He wa he he raised him basically, right? So he saw him go through this a yep. similar transformation as a child, and yeah. uh, and to become Batman in the first place. And so now he's seeing some sort of a, I assume, a resurgence of that, but in a much more kind of cruel way. But he knows what he's talking about because he's kind of been responsible for Bruce's emotional well being for his whole life. Not to be too subtle, again in. Bruce is not listening. Yeah, he the way he's so closed off and he's got this kind of glare about him where it's like he know he's willfully yep. not listening. He knows what the truth is and he's almost angry that the truth is being spoken to him because he knows that these are lies. It's a beautiful lie, right? Yeah. And he knows it's a lie he's been telling himself. He doesn't want Alfred to tell him he's wrong because he wants to feel justified in continuing down this path. I, maybe we, we all know how this might be the one exception where we can speak to how this quote ends because people have now heard it 28 times uh, or 29 times <laughs> that at the, the point of me bringing all of this up, that is now turning you from a good man into a cruel one. And then he leaves. Yeah. Well, and if you put this on, you take this moment this explanation and kind of overlay it on that shot of him looking up at as the satellite debris and Superman falls from the sky. Yeah. Like you can see that in his face in that moment, right? And and sort of you understand how he got here. Yeah. Alfred really nails it. I think this is what they refer to as being red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got his glasses out. Oh, he had them on. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, he had his reading glasses. So Bruce just got red by Alfred. Big time. <laughs> In a, in a perfect way to cue it up, uh, do you have anything more to say about this minute? No, I just, I can't, um, while the movie might be subtle about it, I, I can't be. Yeah. That just every everything anyone has ever said about this version of Batman is explained here. Yeah. I don't know why it, <laughs> it, has, yeah. it has to be said so much. <laughs> people had a reaction to the, the Man of Steel finale, right? Like, people, 
in the in the real world reacted angrily to the fact that there was so much destruction and that Superman killed Zod and um and and that it was handled that way. And then to turn around and be like, I don't know why Batman is so mad in this movie. <laughs> it's like it's the same people too. I always say, oh, you, it's it's really easy to say to take two groups of people and pretend that a comment is coming from both of them when it's contradictory. But like in this case, it is the exact same people that said it was wrong for Man of Steel to do that, and then say, I don't know why Batman is is so angry. It's like he's angry yeah. for the same reason that you're angry. Yeah, and I don't know if it was. We kind of spoke to it at the time. I don't know if it was too long after September 11th for for people to also express, you know, okay, I get it that Bruce watched this building in the middle of Metropolis fall because of this thing that had nothing to do with anybody who died, but like, uh, yeah. like wanting to hurt them. It's not a political thing to say. It's a human thing. Yeah. Why would he not want, why would he not hate well, everything that Superman is? I think that's a really interesting point to to say it's a it's a human thing because that's Batman's whole deal. People will say, "Oh, well, he's supposed to be better than that or whatever." But Batman what makes him different especially in, you know, it's one thing on the Dark Knight or whatever to 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 make him human, but he's the only hero in that universe, right? We're introducing yeah. him here into a universe where there are literal gods. So it, so his character has to be human. If they don't embrace the humanity of Batman, who's going to? Then yeah, and so so maybe he he can be. It's okay. They have some more flexibility to make him above those things or to overcome or whatever. But here, more than ever, it's important that he he be human because he's like he like he says at the uh, during their fight later on. He says that's that's fear. Uh, you're not a man. Yeah, you're not brave. Men are brave. Yeah. Which is, you know, this kind of weird macho thing. But it's, it's also that he's projecting onto him, right? He's saying, mm-hmm. I am afraid of you because you are stronger than me. And that fear is what tells me that I am mortal, right? Well, that fear um, is also like what made early people make spears, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's kind of our thing. Yeah. Is outsmarting the things that are bigger and scarier than us uh, for the greater good. Hey, I'm sure those big cats hunting us didn't do anything wrong either, but (laughs) (laughs) it didn't really matter. Um, Yeah, and that's uh, that is where we leave it. It's very enlightening for us, absolutely not for Bruce, because he couldn't care to listen to any of it. On the dialogue cue going into the next minute, Alfred informs us that feeling powerless can turn even good men cruel. So, what better time to meet Lex Luthor? (laughs) (laughs) The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. Land. Mm. Two with by air. Mm. You know, I always say the film is the thing. The film is the thing. You work so hard after the ideas come to get this thing built, all the elements to feel correct, the whole to feel correct, in this beautiful language called cinema. And the second it's finished, 
people want you to change it back into words. And it's very, very um, saddening. It's, it's, it's um, a torture. It's the film. The language is cinema. When things are concrete, very few variations in interpretation. But the more abstract a thing gets, the more varied the interpretations. But people still know inside what it is for them. And even if they don't trust their intuition, I always say that if some girl named Sally, she comes out of the theater, I don't have a clue what that means. She goes over with Bob and Jim to get a cup of coffee. Bob starts talking about what he thinks it is, because he knows exactly what it is. He starts talking. Five seconds later, Sally is saying, no, 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 it's not that. And all these things come out of Sally. So Sally really did know for herself. That's the beauty of it. Detective Jason thinks it's a ghost story. Is it a ghost story? <laughs> it's, it, it's a ghost story for you. 